the book of Acts, which is in the New Testament. We're going to be in chapter 9 tonight, Acts chapter 9. We have been talking about the voice, and we've been talking about people who are hearing the voice of God and the ways that they heard them and the things that we can learn about how we can hear the voice of God as well. We talked. Who was the first person we talked about? Somebody remember? What? Samuel, yes. Samuel was the first one. Samuel and Eli, okay, we talked about how Samuel heard God's voice in the middle of the night. He didn't know who it was, so we had to learn what God sounded like. Secondly, who was the second one? Yes. Balaam and the talking donkey, right? It got weird. We're going to reference that a little bit again tonight. Two weeks ago, we've already done three. Yeah, you missed one of them. Yeah, last week was Elijah. Yeah, yeah, last week was Elijah. And, uh, and so tonight we are talking, we're going New Testament. Those are all Old Testament. Tonight we're talk, talking about Paul, the Apostle Paul. But before he becomes Paul, what was his name? Saul. I heard somebody say it. And what was Saul's job? To kill the Christians. Yes, Saul persecuted and murdered Christians. That was what he did. He was a Pharisee, which means that he was a part of this Jewish sect. They were distinguished by the very strict observations of Moses' law, um, the traditional and written law. And, and that was his job. And you know what? Not only was, was Paul good at it, and he was, or Saul good, he was really good at his job, but he was also very passionate about his job. You know, sometimes we have jobs in life that we're not passionate about, especially when we're younger. You know, I worked at a, uh, I haven't had any really terrible jobs. Like you hear some adults talk about these nightmare jobs, or you've seen that show Dirty Jobs with Micro. Never had any of those kind of jobs, um, but I did work. I did bag a lot of groceries. I, I was a cashier at, at a grocery store for a long time, uh, did that for a while. And so like when I was working that job, I wasn't real passionate about it. You know, like it was a job and it, it whatever it got me through school. And but you know, like it wasn't like, oh yes, I can't wait to go work at the grocery store today. Yes, no, it wasn't like that. You know, uh, you know. And if you talk, if you have friends, especially those of you who are older who have jobs, they're not really generally excited about their job most of the time. It's like, yes, I get to go flip burgers at McDonald's. Praise Jesus. You know, right? Like nobody's really fired up about that. But Paul was fired up about his job. Not only was he good at it, he loved it. He was passionate about it. At one point, or actually where we pick this up, Paul is on the road to road to Damascus from Jerusalem. Now, anybody want to take a guess at how far it is from Jerusalem to Damascus? 20 miles. No. A lot more than 20. 1,000, somewhere in between. 100, that's closer. It is 150 miles from Jerusalem to Damascus. Now, to give you a little bit of sense of, of kind of exactly what that is, imagine walking from here to Lubbock for your job. Okay, that's like, Lubbock is like 130, so it's actually a little bit past Lubbock. Um, but imagine walking from here, that's how far he was walking from Jerusalem to Damascus. He's on his way from Jerusalem to Damascus. He's walking basically from here to just past Lubbock so he can kill some Christians in Damascus. He's fired up about it. Now, there's not a lot of jobs I would walk 150 miles for, just period. Like, I just, I don't know, I can't really think, you know, that song, I would walk five, no, I wouldn't walk 500 miles for almost anything. Um... You know, y'all don't even know that song, do you? Any of y'all ever heard that song? A few of y'all have. Okay, good. So it's an old song. It's been redone a few times lately. Um, but, yeah, so he's walking 150 miles to Damascus uh, 
so that he can kill some Christians, which is where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 9. We're going to read verses 1 through 19. It says, Meanwhile, my, while Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. The way was what they called Christianity back then. They didn't call it Christ yet. If you like Jesus, you love Jesus, you are a member of the way. So he's like, hey, give me a letter so I can go get them. Like he needs, basically it's an arrest warrant for the Christians. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They had heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand to Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Remember last week we played the game with the, uh, with the blindfolds and you couldn't see? Imagine living that way for three days when you've had sight your whole life. That's what he's going through right now. Okay? So um, in Damascus there was a, a disciple named Ant- Ananias, Ananias, the Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord said to him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest who arrests, to arrest all who call on your name. So Ananias is like, dude, why do you want me to go heal Osama bin Laden? Like, that's basically what it is. Like, Paul is a terrorist against the Christians. This is like ISIS showing up and God like, hey, listen, go pray for the ISIS dude. Like, no, uh, no, no. So that's what, he, that's what God has asked Ananias to do here. Uh, verse 15, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. So we have this crazy situation that Paul has gone through, and one of the interesting things is that you notice when Paul first gets blinded by the light, he immediately calls God Lord. Like he knows who he's talking to immediately. Yes, ma'am. Gentiles are people who are not Jewish. That's a good question. So at that time, most of the Jewish Christians, like all the disciples were Jewish guys who had become Christians, they thought that Jesus was only for the Jewish people. They didn't think other people, which if that was the case, all of us here would be in trouble because none of us are Jewish by heritage, I don't think. So uh, so I am definitely not. And I, you know, So the Gentiles means people who aren't Jewish can also know Jesus. That's a good question. So, so, so Paul, Saul recognizes... Jesus, and in, 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 in when he encounters him on the road to Damascus. And I think part of the reason was because 
he knew a lot about God already. He had, he, as a Pharisee, he had spent his whole life studying the Old Testament. Like he knew the Old Testament. He could, probably pre, he could probably quote large chunks of the Old Testament from memory. The Pharisees, a lot of them could. Because God gave us his word so that we can know him. Right? There's a difference between knowing who God is and really knowing God, though. See, he knew who God was. He recognized God immediately. But there's a little difference. So we're going to throw up. I'm going I'm to put a, a slide up here. I want you to tell me what you know about this person. Give me the first one. What do you know about this person? Everything. <laughs> that sounds like a creeper there, man. What's his name, first off? Adam Levine. Okay. What else do we know about Adam Levine? He's the singer. What group's he in? Maroon 5. He's the lead singer from Maroon 5. What else do we know about Adam Levine? Anything? He's engaged to a supermodel. Okay. Okay. I don't know. Anybody else? He's a host on The Voice. Right. He's a coach on The Voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... He sings one of your favorite songs. What song is that? You're not telling? Okay. Uh, she's like, I don't want to admit that. So, yeah, but so we know, like, some of the basics. We know his name. We know kind of what his job is. We know who he sings for. But we don't really know a lot of specifics. We don't know Adam very well. Okay, give us the next one there. Who's that? Jennifer Lawrence. What do we know about Jennifer Lawrence? She's in the Hunger Games. She plays Cat in 17 in the Hunger Games. What else do we know? She's really funny. She is, yeah. She's like generally charming and funny, yes. You could tell from the Hunger Games. She's in the X-Men as well, that's right. She was in some of the X-Men movies, yeah. But anything else? Well, like, so we can list parts of her IMDb page, you know, um, but that's really all we know about her. Okay, one more. We got one more person. What do we know about Barack Obama? What's his job? He's the president, okay. Now, without getting into any political opinions, what facts do we know about Barack Obama? He's, he did spearhead Obamacare, yeah. That's true. So we know some of the things he did as the president, but what, what else do you know? What's his wife's name? Michelle, okay. He's got two daughters. I don't even know their names. Um, does anybody know their names? Okay, we're going to never mind that because she can't talk to her ice. Uh, so we don't really know. So, again, we know some things about these people, but we don't really know them. Like if you ran into Adam Levine on the street, you'd be like, what's up, Adam? What's up? No, that'd be weird, right? You'd be like, okay, no, I don't know you. Why are you talking to me? Right? I mean, he probably gets that. You probably would, Taylor, but you'd, you have no fear or shame. So uh, now, well, you might be something different, but... Now, so you don't, know, you know, we don't know those people. Now, think about your best friend. What do you know about your best friend? She's kind of quiet, but crazy around you. Okay. How many of you know you're like your best friend's most embarrassing story? How many of you were there for your best friend's? Because that's when you're really best friends. You know, they say, uh, what is it? A good, a good friend will come bail you out of jail. The best friend will be in the cell with you, right? Like, you know, you know. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, I think about some of my closest friends, and y'all, y'all can probably name all my closest friends because they're, the, they're ones I tell all the stories about, but Brad and Micah and Nathan and Christina, y'all hear about those people all the time. And so, you know some of our stories because, and I know those people very well because I spent a lot of time with them. And so I have come to know them more intimately than if it was just some random famous person. You see, you see what I'm talking about? Like it's the difference between knowing about somebody and knowing 
annoying somebody. See, I don't know if Adam Levine is a nice guy. He seems nice on The Voice, but I don't really know if he is. But I can tell you that Micah Brewer is one of the nicest people on the planet, okay? He's really hard to make mad, although when you do, it gets ugly. But, you know, he's really a nice guy. He's charming, and people really, really like him when they meet him in person. So we know there's an difference between knowing about somebody and knowing somebody. And that's the difference. See, God doesn't want us to just know about him. He wants us to know him. He's called us to a relationship like that. He didn't give us this Bible so we could quote facts. And it's, you know, information is good to have. It's good to know about Jesus. Um, There's reasons for that. But it's not just so that we can say Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was son of Mary and Joseph and, and list off facts about Jesus. It's so that we can come to know Jesus in a much deeper Way so so in this story in Paul's conversion experience here we learn a few things about Jesus we learn some characteristics about Jesus okay the first thing we learn is this when we persecute people we persecute Jesus right in Acts nine five Jesus said hey I am Jesus whom you persecuted me he's like dude why do you keep doing this to me why are you continuing to persecute me and and this is you know, this tells us that, hey, when you persecute people, you persecute Jesus. Uh, in the Gospels, Jesus said, hey, I tell you, whatever you do to the least of these brothers and sisters, you also do to me. So it's not just when we persecute Christians. When we persecute anybody, he didn't say when you persecute the poor Christians. He said when you per- persecute people, you're persecuting me. Jesus said that, okay? The second thing we learned, and this is huge. You know, I made the joke about ISIS earlier, and I, I we've got to go pray for bin Laden or whatever, but God can use anybody. Okay, God can and will use anyone. You know, we have a hard time picturing this, but Saul really was that bad as far as the Christians were concerned. That's what they thought of him was as a terrorist. But God said, hey, you know what? I'm going to use that guy to tell people about Jesus. And even Ananias is like, are you sure? He's not sure. You know, in fact, Paul even calls himself in 1 Timothy 1, he says, I am the chief of sinners, the worst of sinners. And if God can forgive Paul, he can con- can forgive any one of us. You know, there's times when we feel like we're unworthy, like, man, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I did this, I did this thing that was really bad, and, and there's no way God would forgive me, and, but God will use anybody if we'll allow him to. You know, when we, when we say that, when we say I'm unforgivable, what we're doing is putting limits on God. And God doesn't like that. God's omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. He's omniscient. It means he knows everything, right? He, he knows and he is all these things. So when we say, God, you can't forgive me, we're putting handcuffs on God. All right, I was watching, I was watching, what was I watching yesterday? I was watching an episode of Psych. Okay, I was watching an episode of Psych. And it was the, uh, it was the wedding episode where, where, uh, where Lassie gets married, and at one point, they've got the bad guy handcuffed to, a, like, a bedpost, but he somehow broke free, but he's still got the bedpost, like, dragging, so he's still handcuffed to the, but he's carrying the bedpost around, um, and it's really stupid, but that bedpost kept him from doing things, right? And when we say, God, you can't forgive me, that's putting handcuffs on God and, and not allowing him to work as fully as he wants to and can, he has the ability to use anybody regardless of circumstances or past failures. Number three, God will use people to speak and confirm his will, right? He used Ananias like, okay, he said, okay, Paul, go here. Ananias is going to be there. He'll tell you what's up next. God wants to make us a part of the story, right? This isn't God playing with his Legos like, ha you do, you know, God allows us to be in the story, but we have to be willing to listen, 
God used Ananias to confirm what he had done in Paul or what he was doing in Paul. And Ananias was chosen by God because of his obedience and his willingness. See, even Ananias questioned. He's like, are you God? Are you sure? But he still went and did it, even when it was probably really hard for him to do that. And the fourth thing we learn is that God heals. Okay? He was blind, or Paul was blind, and then he allowed Paul to be healed. He was like, okay, I'm going to give you your sight back. And see, he allowed Paul to go through that hard time. And sometimes we go through these tough things so that when God does heal and God does restore, it's an even better story, right? It's an even cooler thing. It's like, hey, yeah, I haven't had the perfect life. You know, I mean, it's, it's not much of a story when we're like, yeah, I never, ever struggled with anything ever. Like, that's kind of a, I mean, we all go through things sometimes so that God can get some glory in it later and that we can rely on him. But here's the question I've always wondered, and I've had this thought. You know, we, we hear stories in the Bible about this where God appears to Paul in a blinding light and he speaks out loud, or in the Old Testament he writes on the wall, or he got a burning bush. You know, how come God doesn't speak audibly to us anymore? Have you ever wondered that? Like, how come God doesn't just, like, call me on the phone, be like, hey, listen, here's what to do, right? Like in Bruce Almighty or something where he gets to God emails, right? It'd be cool, like, if we got like, just a phone call. Who's that? God. Okay, let me pick up this phone and see. Hello, God. How are you? You know, God doesn't speak audibly. So let's, so let's ask the question, why doesn't God do that? I think the first reason is this, and this comes back to Balaam and the talking donkey. I think we would freak out. Like I would. Like if God spoke to me audibly, just like the donkey, I'd be like, man, what did I eat last night? Like, man, that chili from Sunday night must have got to me something. Like, man, I'm having some weird. Okay, the other night I had a weird dream. Um, this is, what's today, Wednesday? This was Monday night I had this dream where my dad and I were driving to uh, the Kennedy Space Center in Florida, which is where the space shuttle takes off. And we were driving, and there was a third person. I don't know who the third person was. I couldn't, you know, sometimes you, like, you know there's a person, but you don't see their face. That's what it was. I had this weird dream, and, and, and I was like, okay, so we're driving to Kennedy Space Center because my dad and I were going to go on, like, this Armageddon-style Save the World mission in space. I don't know what we were going to do. I don't know why we had to be the ones to do it, but that was what was going on. Like, we were on our way to take off and go save the world in space. And then, like, the same, I don't know if it's the same dream, or like, we got back from space, and I was like, how should we go to people that are trying to catch when you have I think we would freak out. Here's the second. Say what? You think it would be cool? I mean, yeah, it would be cool. I just, I, I just don't know if we would be able to handle it. I really don't. Second thing here, and this is a more, much more spiritual one. That one wasn't very spiritual. But this one has a little more depth to it. If God spoke audibly to us, we would quit listening to each other. Right? Like God puts people in our lives so that you know, to have good advice. All throughout the book of Proverbs, it talks about good advice. Proverbs twelve fifteen says, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. And in Proverbs eleven fourteen and 15, 22, 19, 20, all these scriptures are about how we should listen to wise counsel. We should take advice from people who know, right? You ever like ignore somebody's advice and then later come back and wish you had listened? I have. 
I think we can probably all think of times like that, right? God puts people in our lives. He puts pastors and leaders and parents and teachers and friends who love Jesus. He puts all these people in our lives to help speak wisdom into us. And if God was always giving us the things like directly, we wouldn't have any reason to listen to them. Like, you know, we wouldn't need that. We wouldn't be able to play a part in our, in our own stories. My dad posted this on Facebook this very afternoon. I was like, okay, that's a God thing that got that that he happened to post it this day. He said, Moses spoke with God often, yet he needed godly advice from his father-in-law because Moses' father-in-law gave him some advice in in the book of Exodus. Um, Are you open to God using others to speak his will and word into you? You know, we have to allow other people to speak into us. This is what we talked about last week and the week before a little bit too, was that we have the people in our lives to speak to us so that we can, so that we can learn not just, you know, through these miraculous things that God will do, this audible voice. That would be cool. But we have to listen to the people around us as well. And the third reason God doesn't speak audibly anymore, and I think this is the biggest one. I think this is the biggest single reason is that he gave us Jesus, right? Most of the, the instances in the Bible of somebody hearing from God in a miraculous or audible way are Old Testament, right? Again, we talked about Moses in the burning bush. Balaam gets a donkey. In, uh, you know, the book of Daniel, they're writing on, God's writing on the wall. All that stuff happens, and then Jesus shows up, and he's like, good, y'all don't need all this crazy stuff because you got Jesus, the Savior, the, the Savior of the world, the Son of God. He is there with y'all, so y'all don't need this. In Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, it says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, right, like all the crazy stuff. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. You know, it even says so in the scripture, like, yeah, y'all used to get all that stuff, but now I gave you Jesus, and you don't need it. And, of course, Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit when he left. He said, I'm going to send you the comforter who's going to help you guys. And so that's what the Holy Spirit is for us today. We don't need to hear God audibly because we have the Holy Spirit, and we have Jesus in our lives. So God speaks through the testimony of Jesus, the truth of his word, and the power of his Holy Spirit. Like we've got those three things. We've got the Bible. That's how God speaks to us is through this Bible. We've got a whole big thick book full of God's words to us and Jesus' words. And then we've got the Holy Spirit that speaks to us. And so if you really want to hear from God, you've got to be in the word. You have, you know... I, like, I heard this, I think Pastor Todd used the illustration a couple weeks ago, you know. If you complain that God doesn't speak to you, but you're not reading the word, it's like complaining that your friend hasn't texted you back, but you got your phone off. Right? I think, that was it, did Todd say that a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, man, right? You ever wonder why they haven't texted back? Come on. We've all been there, right? You, you send them that text, and you're nervous because maybe it was like a little bit something different than, you you know, maybe you like it was a little bit more flirty than you've ever flirted before, right? And so you send it, and then they don't respond, and you're just staring at the phone, like just hoping that that'll, hoping it'll go, right? Like, oh man, they're not texting back. And so if you, you know, we have those situations, that's what, you know, but, but, but imagine you did that, but your phone was off, and you're like, boy, why hasn't he called me back? Well, the stinking phone is off, dummy. Like, you got, you know, that's what it is. When we, when we wonder why we can't hear God, and we're not in the Word, that's the same thing. Because the more we read His Word, the more we know about God's character, and the more we know about who He is, then we can understand His direction, which is what leads to our obedience. So we have to, have to, have to get to know God in that way where we, we don't just know about God, but we spend time with him. 
Because that's where scriptures like, in your presence is fullness of joy, comes in. Right? It's really easy to to have his presence and the fullness of joy when we're here. And there's music playing, or we're at church, or we're at camp, or whatever. Like, yeah, it's easy to feel that there. But then come tomorrow morning, or come tomorrow afternoon, after you've been at school for six hours, and you're in seventh period, and you're like, dude, I hate life right now. I just want to go home and have a snack and take a nap. Right? Like, that's what we all think in seventh and eighth period, I think. That's what I always thought was, you know. At that time, when we don't have the praise and worship music and you don't have the pastor to encourage you and you don't have, that's when the stuff like knowing God's word begins to refresh you. You know, having scriptures, you know, that, that you know that you can quote to yourself and you can remember, then that fullness of joy in God's presence comes back, even when there's no music, even when there's no of that other stuff coming around, even when the atmosphere isn't quote unquote set. That relationship with him is, is, is about the every day. See, you come here twice a week, maybe three times if you come Sunday nights as well, and you get preached to and you hear some worship and you, you learn about him and that's great, but what about the other five days? That's where we have to be in relationship. It's not about knowing facts out of the Bible. You know, and, and, and I'm not knocking knowing facts out of the Bible. You know, I... I did JBQ, and, and, and that's good. To know about God is good, but the purpose of that is to get to know God better, not so that we can tick off a list of facts. And when we begin to experience that relationship with him, then when it gets hard and we're not here, we have the opportunity to rely on that. That's how... He really becomes our, our comforter. Our, you know, the, when we were little kids, we used to sing that, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, right? And then you sing that, I got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. Because when your friends are like, dude, why are you in a good mood? This is the worst day ever. And you're like, you know what? Because I, I got the joy of Jesus. I have this relationship with him. You're like, I, I would never answer that. Maybe you should. Maybe that should be. Maybe... You know, I, I was reading today, I was reading The Grave Robber that we're going to be talk about Sunday night. I encourage you guys to be there. It's going to be awesome. Um, but in the book, he talks about how he had a speech project to do in high school. I think he's at 11th grade or something like that. He had a speech project, and he could do it on any topic he wanted. He could give a speech on any topic he wanted, and he basically preached a gospel message in his high school speech class. And I really thought, I read that, and I thought, dude, I wouldn't have done that. And I was like a goody-two-shoes Christian kid. Everybody knew I was a Christian. I still don't know that I would have done that. But he had such a strong relationship even at that time. His relationship with God was strong enough that he could do that. And now that was his first sermon. Now he's a famous preacher. He's writing books, and, and he wrote, you know, he's written at least three great books that I can think of. Um, and he preaches at conferences and stuff, and... But it all started because he had a relationship with God as a high schooler. Because he knew the voice of God and he knew what he was supposed to do because he had built up that time with God. Let's pray. God, I pray tonight that you would draw us closer to you. Lord, that our relationship with you would be a relationship. It would not just be a a thing we do on Sundays and Wednesdays or, you know, a building. We go to church and that's the extent of it, God, but that 
that we would know your voice and we would begin to know your characteristics in a deeper way and we would not settle for just knowing uh, about you. We would not settle for just knowing some facts or going to church, Lord, but that this rich, full life that you have called us to would be what we live. God, you said you came to give us life and give it more abundant, give it to the full, and that we would not settle for anything less than what you have called us to. Some of you tonight here, that's been you. You're the fact. You, you know some facts. You may have gone to church some or all of your life. But say, you know what? I've gotten lazy. I've been stuck at this same point of knowing facts. But I haven't really developed that relationship with Jesus. And you say, yeah, I want to know what is, is, is in my future. I want to know what God's plans are for me. I want to know these things. But I don't have that really, I haven't really begun that deep relationship. You know, I'm just kind of floating along in the shallow end of facts. And with nobody looking around, I want to ask you, if, if you say, you know what, tonight is the night that I want to start something deeper tonight. I want to move to the, to the deep end of the pool with, in my relationship with, with Jesus. If that's you, just raise your hand and put it back down. I'm not going to hang out here a long time. But, but, but it's so easy for us to just go to church and know the facts. But I want you guys to really feel that pull that God wants for us to know him deeper. God, I thank you for the students that just raised their hand. God, I thank you that they uh, are feeling your call. God, the Holy Spirit's tug on their hearts. I pray that each of us tonight would be drawn into something deeper. God, I pray that each one of us would not settle for anything less than what you have called. God, that you would put in us a desire to know you more and to know you better. And that as we get home and as we are going through life, God, that that relationship with you would, would extend into our lives. Not in a way that, that, that is obnoxious or, or pushing people away from you, but that our relationship with you can be the light that the dark world needs. God, these students get to walk into one of the largest mission fields on the planet in the public schools, most of them, God. And I pray that, that their relationship with you would be bright and would shine bright in that situation. Lord, I pray that you would draw all of us, myself included, into something deeper with you. God, we would push one another. We would sharpen one another. Lord, and that we as a group, as a group, would continue to grow closer to you and continue to know you better, God. Lord, we thank you and we love you. In your name we pray.